Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Ultra Hope Girls, a Danganronpa podcast. We are stoked because today we are diving into episode eight of the Danganronpa 3 anime. We'll be talking about episode eight of the future arc and the despair arc so that being said just a heads up that this will spoil through episode eight of the future and despair arcs of Rumpa 3 and with that being said let's dive in i'm maddie i'm Marin, and i'm caroline and we're the ultra hope girls one two welcome to the Rumpa podcast <laughs> You're on the threshold of an amazing episode. Showtime. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode eight of Dying Number Three. It's been a minute since I watched the seventh one. So yeah. I had some trouble getting back into it. Like I, <laughs> it had been so long that I was just like, wait, where did we leave off? I had to go back and kind of watch the last parts of the previous ones. Cause I just could not remember, but yeah. Interesting stuff. A lot of setup yeah. in the despair end of things. And the future arc is just really good. This episode is very good. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it definitely starts off very, like throws you right into it with Kizakura acting as like a soldier of some sort I too had to go back and be like wait how did we get here um yeah but that was kind of an interesting start and it seemed to me at the end of that scene when he like mutters like Kyoko under his breath I was like is he mad at Kyoko like what why is he why has he chosen to stay by Kyoko's side is it out of anger is Kyoko in danger that kind of vibe I wasn't sure but we do yep. see at the we end could, of this we one. learn um, right. why I, I thought where they were trying like I thought what was going on is they were trying to like break into Hope's Peak when the killing game was going on that seemed like to be what the vibes were because oh. it was that Hope's Peak building and like wait yeah if you remember in the first game there's like a noise that happens and then like Monica was like yeah you remember that that was people trying to help you <laughs> oh my god wait I didn't even make that connection at all I thought that this was like post despair taking over the world like I just I didn't even think about it like I yeah oh my god you're right and that's that's why he says Kyoko's name maybe because I was wondering that as well I was like why does he say Kyoko's name after that other lady gets like blown up I don't know <laughs> Yeah, and he says the very first words at the beginning of the episode are several years earlier, um, which was interesting, the timeline, because, you know, we talk about characters developing outside of the game that we don't necessarily see, like that development that we have to assume is there or imply is there. And I think that that speaks volumes to like how long Makoto has been a leader, how long Byakuya has been running the Future Foundation, how long, you know, this, that, the other, how long Byakuya and Toko have been growing and then becoming a relationship. And so, 
<laughs> um, but yeah, I'm a patron. The lowest tier is two dollars a month. Oh yeah, but yeah, I think I that timeline really confused me. But I think that's exactly right, Caroline. Yeah, yeah. I wow. mean, because yeah. while they're in the killing game, the despair is happening on the outside. So like, True. it's they're happening simultaneously. Yeah. Yes. That makes so much sense. Yes. I don't know how I did. I've watched this anime now twice and I don't know how I never picked up on what that scene was. Wow. Well, what can I say? I have a Biakia level of intelligence. <laughs> the evidence is there. The I evidence mean, it is. It is. <laughs> so I just have like a, a very small note of just something silly that I noticed that has nothing to do with the plot of the show or anything. But um, I don't know if it's like this everywhere or if it's just on Amazon Prime Video where I was watching it. But um, in the description of this episode, the the future arc episode eight, the description of the episode says, who did it? The group gathers to solve the latest grizzly murder. And grizzly is spelled like grizzly bear, like (laughs) G-R-I-Z-Z-L-Y instead of like (laughs) G-R-I-S-L-Y. I was like, I was trying, I, I wonder, I was like, is that on purpose because of like the bear puns with like Monokuma or is that just a oh. total error? I have no idea, but it was hilarious. I have to tell you that that is the same description on Funimation because that's where I watched it. And oh, I okay. cackled when I read it because I was like, this makes it sound like murder she wrote, like where it's like, you don't actually see the murders happen. It's like, who who gets murdered next? Like, wow, find out. Like, it just was so not totally, it was totally dissonant like it right, just really yeah. was. It was that's funny maddie that's so funny so then we get see hero on the outside just honestly like whenever he makes an appearance i used to think he was just annoying but now i just look forward to his presence i really do he's the king and he's getting shot at and then well i mean um Biakuya saves the day and i just have a note that just says Biakuya's smile because he like he's like Oh, oh like be careful hero and then he just like or something like that and he he doesn't say it like that that's not what he says but something I think he says he's like uh you need to stop or like I'm gonna leave you or something but he's like kidding like the smiles right, like a, right. yeah, yeah and then he like smiles at the end and that's how you know he's aged <laughs> what's that John Mulaney quote where it's like and that's how like he was wearing glasses to show that time, time had, had passed, passed. <laughs> like that that is <laughs> so the vibe with this um yeah that's so so good good. oh my god i i had one note about that scene and it was just like biakuya descending from the helicopter with like the wind dramatically blowing through his like tie and his i was just like wow still my (laughs) sweaty palms Mm. (laughs) and i have a quote from makoto that just says quote i'm a little slow sometimes and I had, I have a sub note that says Makoto being self-aware. Thank God. You know, I was watching and I thought Caroline's going to write this down. <laughs> <I did. laughs> yeah. He is significantly better in the anime mm-hmm. than in the game. He also yeah. looks less derpy. Like I'm, I'm replaying the game, the trigger happy havoc with one of my friends right now. And he just, his hair is half is the same like proportions as the bottom of his face. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's the same length huh like a and, Bieber haircut almost like yeah. old like t- 2008 and he just Justin looks Bieber. so dumb he looks really <laughs> stupid but in the anime he looks like a normal person <laughs> like it's just 
Oh my goodness. That's all. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> that's I'm done. It's out of my system. My next note is actually um just the fact that so okay, Marin and Caroline at this juncture have already not Caroline hasn't finished it, but they've played uh nine nine nine. And I'm just, you know, getting into it as well. I've uh, started started playing it and I'm really into it. And I I think Marin and Caroline, like you've probably mentioned this before, but like I, not until now did I realize how similar this like future arc setup thing is to 999 because they have the bracelets and there's the rules and then the bracelets like kill you if you break the rules and they're like, well, they're like in the middle of the ocean, right? Theoretically, they're like on an island in this built trapped in this building. It's like I was like, oh wow, because the Danganronpa games were inspired by Nine Nine Nine, partially, right? Yes, the Nine 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 game is a little bit inspired, at least by Danganronpa, and they actually created a poster. Oh wait, um, no, of, it's the other uh, way. Inspired by Danganronpa or inspired oh. Danganronpa, right? I think Nine 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 inspired. Oh, maybe you're right. All I know is there's a poster that has like the 999 and Monokuma's face is in where like the gas mask Zero's face oh, really? like, is. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yes, I do think that they're definitely directly related. Yeah, because I mean, we know that in in Goodbye Despair, there's the escape room. Well, um, so there are two scenes with Biaki in this episode. I took notes on both. Um, so the second scene, I have just quote Togami Party. Um, thank you, Hero, for that. Um, that's what the dub translation is that Hero says. <laughs> and I just appreciate one Byakuya telling Hero to lift with his knees because that is not what you're supposed to do. So it's very <laughs> clear he's done no manual labor <laughs> in his lifetime. And the other is I really like the quote when he is like looking up at the school. And this is again like another like times have changed quote and he says stay alive my comrades don't you dare die before i can come to the rescue like wow and i I, I was like that is a great quote like right there my next note just says simply put gecko gahara is a whole ass transformer (laughs) Mm -hmm. yep maren do you want to take it away with kizakura sure this whole scene made me very very sad yeah, I knew that Ruriko was trying to mess up the investigation. I mean, we talked about that in previous episodes, being a little bit distrustful of her, you know. But I remember when I watched this scene and she, like, hits the trigger or whatever that explodes the floor. Like, I gasped and I was like, what? <laughs> like, oh my, because there's just that moment where Kyoko is standing above nothing. Like, like the moment where it's like, completely fallen out under her and there's no coming back you think and I just oh it just like grabbed my heart and tore it in two but then but then Kizakura patched it together again yeah I my first note about this scene says that Rurika pulls a Mekon when she like trips and is like oh my gosh I'm just tripped blah, blah, blah. and um I think it's Kizakura who says like are you just trying to interfere with the investigation it's like clearly yeah she is I also like I yeah I forgot up until re-watching this that Rurika tries to kill Kyoko yes like holy totally boy I, I, how did I forget that detail like I don't remember where I put Rurika when we filmed our tier list episode but she has now been demoted to d tier 
for trying <laughs> to kill Kyoko. That's just unforgivable. But then Kizakura, I want to promote him to S tier because he saves my girl. I'm just uh, BRB oh sobbing. I couldn't remember his name or um, Rurika's name while I was watching this. So every note that refers to them is either blonde guy or confectioner gal. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. I, I like could not for the life of me remember their names. The title of this episode is based on a 1700s nursery rhyme, an English nursery rhyme called Cock Robin or Who Killed Cock Robin, depending on what version you're reading. Um, and I'm just going to read a little excerpt of it because I think that this episode reveals a lot about the dynamics of this killing game that make it very unique from games in the past that I think this nursery rhyme shines on as well. So who killed cock Robin? I said the sparrow with my bow and arrow. I killed cock Robin. Who saw him die? I said the fly with my teeny little eye. I saw him die. Who caught his blood? I said the duck. It was just my luck. I caught his blood. Okay, so it's all that. It's it's like repeating that for a bunch, and there are a bunch of different animals involved in the process of burying Cock Robin and all of the things. There's just a, a web of interconnectedness here. And I think that this killing game is very interesting because my friend who I was watching it with last night, he made a point that and where he had he said, This I don't really like this killing game because it's all based on past grudges and history between a lot of different people. And I was like, but that's why it's different and why it matters and what how this poem relates to the game itself is like every single person is involved almost to an equal extent. I feel like in past killing games, it's been easy for a lot of people to fall into the background. But since this is an anime, Pretty much everybody has been equally involved and the people who die earlier are shown a lot earlier. So you kind of see everyone in equal parts. Like Kizakura hasn't played a huge role until this episode when he's featured. So in a way, we still don't know who the murderer is, but in a way they are all playing a role in instigating this game, which I think is very interesting. Also to note, there are a lot of different theories as to what this nursery rhyme is about, like historically speaking, but most scholars have come to the conclusion that it has to do with a mythological story relating to ritual sacrifice. And the one that's often referenced is Balder, which is a Norse god. We A lot of Norse mythology in Naganropa, and I wouldn't be surprised if this was also the inspiration for this. Um, and Balder actually dies. He sacrifices himself for, like, for a greater cause, which we see Kizakura. Do, he he does that he opens his left hand to save Kyoko knowing that in the long one to protect her I think but two knowing in the long run that without her they're never going to be able to get out of there he's a king I'm I'm mad that I I probably rated him pretty low because it had just been so long since I watched the show I really do like him a lot though I also did some research on Cock Robin um and I looked at that and question in that poem who is the sparrow? Because it's who killed Cock Robin? I said the sparrow. And I am torn. I wanted to get your guys' take on who you think the sparrow is. Like in Dong and Rampa? Yeah. Is it in Kyoko? Or is it a uh, confectioner girl? <laughs> confectioner gal. <laughs> um, is it uh, Rurika? Is it Kyoko or is it Rurika? And I'll add to that. 
while you guys think in Shakespeare, there is a quote that says, there is a special providence in the fall of a sparrow. If it be now, tis not to come. If it be not to come, it will be now. If it be not now, yet it will come. The readiness is all. And it describes basically how fate is immutable. If something is going to happen, it will happen. If not right. now, then later. And so I don't know that that's a very mm. like stepping stone like or not I'm Nagi too (laughs) it's a very loaded kind of oh I bet that they were not only referencing the 1700s poem but also Shakespeare but I think that it would then imply if they were referencing Shakespeare that whoever is the sparrow is going to die right and also like sparrow like is its own symbol in literary works um, yeah, right. Which Shakespeare? You're, you said you said you re- you referencing Shakespeare, Hamlet. but what play is I it? I believe it's Hamlet. Shakespeare. And There's what is the context the of that line? Oh, I was just going to say, I did a little bit of research on the Cock Robin poem as well. And I think there, there's also an alternative version of that, um, or I guess poem, nursery rhyme, where the sparrow gets hanged for mm. killing Cock Robin. Mm. So I don't know, Marion, you might be onto something there I would think that I mean are you are you framing it as if Kizukura is cock robin I think that Kizukura is cock robin I I mean I I would say Rurika she's the one who like hit the switch to open the floor you know and she's the one who I think would is responsible rather than Kyoko right but I I also would argue murder on the orient express style not that intentionally everyone murdered him but i think that everyone's the events that have led up to this point caused this to happen you know so i I do like the poem has a bunch of people involved not in the murder itself but in everything relating to it i think that all members of this game played a role Hmm. indirectly Yeah. yeah it is from hamlet um, it's in the scene where Horatio is like, Hamlet, like, please just make up something so that you don't have to duel with, uh, is it Laertes? Laertes. Laertes. Um, so that he don't have, or he doesn't have to duel with Laertes. And so he's like, you know, if I'm going to die, I'm going to die. If it's now, then it's now. If it's not, then it's later. If it's, you know, and so he's like, just let me do this kind right. of thing. And it's interesting because they end up getting poisoned in that final duel as well <gasps> you're right and gertrude the wife of laertes who's hamlet's mother drinks the poison and dies as yeah interesting interesting mm. and it would make sense that in a way that like horatio i mean obviously hamlet dies at the end of hamlet spoiler alert um, <laughs> <laughs> The gag with Shakespeare tragedies is if the person's name is in the title, they always die at the end of the play. That's so true. Yeah. 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 Um, and so, so yeah, <laughs> Romeo <alert>. and Juliet. Um, <laughs> I would even say like Horatio in some ways, like, like Ham- if Hamlet is Kyoko, which I've made that connection a couple of times on, pa- I guess just the one time on Patreon and maybe once in the Trigger Happy Havoc season, like then could it be, concluded that i don't know like gertrude is um kizakura because he she's the one who is the who is caught in the crossfire you know she is not the one instigating the battle uh, you know and and like i would say laertes would be um juzo 
Juzo could be Laertes or this is just all me casting Hamlet right now (laughs) and that's what this has become but but there are are, Hamlet (laughs) but the Gertrude and Hamlet to Kizakura and Kyoko connection is very very interesting Yeah. Yeah. yeah have I shown you guys the poster that I have of Kyoko holding a skull yeah, that that's what inspired yeah. me to make that Patreon episode. Yeah, yeah. That's I have such that a poster. cool poster. It I love so that cool. poster. <laughs> My next point is about the bracelets that we discover, uh, Rurika's and Yoi's. And I feel like Yoi's reminds me a lot of the other peoples in the groups, you know, very creative, very interesting, especially to his character. But I feel like Rurika's really stinks. You know, hers, yeah, it's one of the only bracelets I believe that we know of that really pins her against the group you know and their end goal of trying to escape I really feel like she should have shared what her bracelet was when they first got them and I was curious if you guys agree just because I don't know that there's a benefit to keeping something like that to yourself right because then because you like she could leave yeah according to oh, the rule or letting someone leave. oh yeah you're right letting anyone leave the playing field okay never mind yeah because that would have been an interesting twist as if it was like letting someone else leave the playing field yeah like only she yeah what is I the mean, syntax of her rule i i thought that so i'm watching the the japanese version so the the um subtitled version and I remember seeing, and I think the syntax in that version was just literally just like a player leaving the playing field was all that it said. There wasn't even a verb in front of it. And I remember that because it struck me as like, well, how does Rurika have any control over that? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's another one of those things. It's almost like, um, was it Bandai who was like witnessing violence, like was the forbidden action. It's like, well, you don't have control over whether someone else is violent, really. So it's it's just kind of like, I remember that striking me about like, part of me was like, how is that fair? And then part of me is just like, well, I don't like Rurika, so whatever, but <laughs> sorry. I, my findings are um, on Danganronpa Wiki, it says her forbidden action was to make sure no one left the building or no one. Yeah, so okay. it, it is everybody, including her. Because that would be interesting as if it was like, she could escape but if anyone else yeah. did they, yeah. she would die that kind of reminds me of the chapter or not chapter the episode seven despair arc where junko gets all of the kids to kill each other and it's like if you're the last one left you get to get your secret and go and then none of them you know were able yeah. to leave in the end but that's kind of the vibe that that would remind me of if that were the syntax but yeah, yeah. it is interesting i mean but who are we kidding? Rurika is not a proactive communicator and she is not the kind of, and that's, that's what I love about the series is like, that is a very realistic approach. We can sit here all day and say, oh, well, if she had just said something, like maybe they could have figured it out, but not everybody works that way. Right. Like the three of us maybe might've done that, but (laughs) she didn't. And that's just how it is with some people. It's true because she didn't do that with Seiko. You know, she, the, the, we saw before how that communication was not there. I think we no. even see that she didn't even do that with Yoi, right? right. Because yeah. the implication is that she killed him because he was trying to leave. Yeah. And I was under the impression that they were very close and dating, right? Yeah. Like, 
I, I mean, would you kill your boyfriend, like, <laughs> or partner? I don't know. I just... <laughs> Wait, why not just... Why didn't she just tell him, like, this is my forbidden action? And, like, if he actually cares about her, then he wouldn't try to leave. She just goes and kills him. Like, I... Honestly, like, this is kind of one of my notes, is um, that Kyoko's revelation that Ruruka killed Yoi honestly kind of didn't surprise me. Because I kind of feel like Ruruka is like a little bit of a sociopath like I I just she doesn't have any empathy or anything like she just killed her boyfriend she didn't even seem like sad that he was dead when they first found him which is why I kind of wasn't surprised when it turned out she killed him because it was a little sus but like yeah I, I I think I think Rurika is like a little sociopathic so I also want to say that Kyoko has a quote that I'm going to paraphrase because I didn't catch it quite exactly, but it's something about how the forbidden actions allow people to act in ways that they wouldn't normally act, which first of all, I want to compare that to the despair disease. I think this is a way better motive and way more interesting because it stems from who those people are in their worst at their worst rather than the despair disease sort of just flips people's personalities like Akane was cowardly or you know whatever and we could rant about Mikan this is not the space for that but <laughs> I was gonna say Kisakura's worst is holding his hand close I know he really said <laughs> <laughs> he's Arthur in that one Arthur meme where he's like clutching his <laughs> can we make that the meme for this yeah. episode please oh yes I think that that is very interesting because you know we're we are it's true. It, it brings out the worst in people when they have these rules to follow. And we are looking at this as outside observers, but like, if we were in that situation, I don't think any of us could say what we would do. Like the, this is a very like wholesome example, but like there, there's been um, mice at the place that I work and I am um, very uh, pho- like, pho- like I have a phobia of mice, like very scared of mice. And I was closing at this place that I work and um, I had seen a mouse earlier. And so because of that, I was like in fight or flight because I, I like sometimes this leads to panic attacks for me. And I was like putting stuff away. And because of the state I was in, I was like dropping plates all over the floor. And I ended up having to stay late because I had to wash the plates again because I was dro- and I dropped a whole bunch of bagels all over the floor because I was just so afraid. And I am not somebody who is like that clumsy all the time I'm for the most part pretty not not that not super clumsy but that day I I was acting in a way that I don't normally act just from my 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 mouse phobia so I that's like I don't know a very like out of context but an example of like how my state my fight or flight state impacted literally how I acted I'm sorry that happened to you yeah guys it I it's very bad. I've been having mouse dreams because like, so my fear of mice is so terrible that after I see a mouse, I'll start having mouse dreams where like they are in my bed or they're like, and it's always in like places where I I am around all the time. Oh, it's so horrible. No, no sleep at all. (laughs) So I want to bring up, this is a really good transition point. Juso gets fed candy by Rurika and turns into this like kind of it's kind of like, um, 
oh wow there's a series that i that is so so in um six of crows basically like the plot of that book is like there's this uh, drug called param that is forcefully fed to people who have magical abilities to like heighten their abilities and so they're on this magical high but as soon as that wears off it's like the um withdrawal effects are so horrible that like it really impacts their well-being so it's like forceful addiction yeah this is that i would say yeah i i mean he definitely did not i would say consent to eating her snack but i feel (laughs) it's an odd way to say that yeah he definitely did not (laughs) want to be controlled by rurika but it brings the question is the yoi that we know himself or Mm. you know we see him constantly be being fed sweets from childhood by rurika and so is yoi acting the way he does in the earlier scenes because of her or is that truly how he wants to be and adding on top of that does he try to leave because he hasn't been able to eat her sweets in so long that he's detoxed and can now make choices for himself (gasps) oh my god Marin! (laughs) are you kidding me (laughs) Marin! oh my god it's like um it's uh, wow that like that almost makes me think of Marin. you mentioned this in your last patreon episode where you're talking about mekon the um factitious disorder imposed on another like mm-hmm. if rurika is it's, it's not necessarily like oh creating a medical problem in someone else but rurika is like potentially like loki poisoning yoi maybe with her sweets we have no idea we have no idea clearly she has the ability to do that she has the ability to like mind control people with her sweets so like who who's to say that that's not happening oh my goodness wow i mean i'm sure it is and i'm sure that that's why she didn't like seiko is because she couldn't control her because she never ate her sweets yeah yeah yep yep I think it definitely adds on to that because like imagine if she had been able to control the ultimate pharmacist like to me that possibility is terrifying and I think that I rated Rurika in C tier I think I said she went up for me because of the episode that we talked about like the three of them and their relationship and I was like you know there are some parts of her that I I do feel bad for but honestly after seeing this episode and considering those things that are not canon like it's not canon that yoi was being controlled by rurika but even the possibility that he was i think would put her back in d tier for me like that's so not okay it's impossible to put into words like right see okay this is gonna be really terrible i i love characters that are awful like i really (laughs) do i think they're very interesting not not like personally do i want to be friends with rurika but this in a way, what you said adds a layer of interest to me and intrigue into her character. So for me, I think she would go up a little bit because she's an interesting person to talk about and explore because of her, um, th- this potential, like, we don't know, like, we, but we don't trust her. So she could have done it at this point. You know what I mean? It just makes it, there's more to talk about with characters oh, yeah. like that. So I just, ugh. oh yeah. Wow. And like our tier list. Like we've always said, our tier list, it's not necessarily that they're good people or bad people, you know, like, I mean, Munakata is in my S tier, like, she's not (laughs) a good person. (laughs) So I definitely know what you're talking about, yeah. Speaking of Munakata, real quick, 
Threat level S. Whenever Marin and I were just having it go into town in this episode, her for Municata, me for Biakria, and also Maddie for Biakria. Uh, me for Kyoko, like, I would you, say. Oh my god, there, there were like three times during that episode I was watching with a friend and I was like, God, she is so hot. <laughs> she <laughs> is! She is! I was like, oh my god. Munakata just That's knows something. how to make an entrance. Like, he literally just takes his sword and doesn't care. Just destroys whatever in, like, in, is in front of him. He's like, I'm coming in now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Something to aspire to. <laughs> My last note is about Kyoko. And for one thing, she is really hot this whole episode. Okay. Yeah. She's mm-hmm. amazing. And I love her. Um, and I am simping. For another thing, she tasted Yoi's saliva. <laughs> oh my God. I was like, dude. <laughs> wow. Like that, that's commitment to the, to the, to the craft ask right there like she and she doesn't care um ryota was like oh my god like you did what and she was just like yeah it's not a big deal <laughs> she does not care there could that be in me, there yeah that reminded me so much of chapter two of trigger happy havoc when kyoko is investigating chihiro's body and really just jumps in starts the investigation and makoto is like you have no respect for this dead body and Kyoko's like, yep. And (laughs) (laughs) all right, everybody, we're going to take a quick break before we go on to the despair arc episode. But we want to know all your thoughts about the DR3 anime. Make sure you leave a voicemail at anchor.fm. We love to hear from you. And you can tweet at us or follow us on Instagram. We're Ultra Hope Girls Podcast pretty much everywhere. And yeah, we will see you after the break. Hello everybody, Caroline here with a pretty exciting announcement. So I, separate from the other Ultra Hope girls, am offering some online virtual classes in things such as writing, because, you know, I'm the ultimate literary girl, and performing, and also some clubs and classes virtually via my own school, which I founded, called The Spilling Ink School. You can check that out at thespillinginkschool.com. I'm offering tutoring and college essays. I'm offering, you know, piano classes and all that jazz. So definitely check it out. It's a good time. And I will also be offering some clubs and classes that are Danganronpa related via OutSchool. So I'll keep the links all in the description. They are for people under 18, so ask your parents before checking it out. But yeah, I'm excited to potentially have some listeners in my classes, and I wanted to let you know that that's going on. So thanks so much in advance for checking it out, and I look forward to teaching some of you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a setup episode that I have very few notes regarding this. I mean, like a lot of things happen and I know what's happening next time on Dragon Ball Z, 
And so I, I feel like I have a lot to talk about next time, but not a lot this time because it's all set up. But there is stuff to talk about and explore, but I just, it's a setup episode. I have a handful of notes about um, like Junko and about Mekon, especially to, to talk about. Um, Please. Okay, I, I, can, I can go for it. Um, my first note is that watching Junko like destroy that jigsaw puzzle makes me think she'd be the kind of person to make those like, anti-ASMR videos of like the most unsatisfying video in the world where people are like trying to peel stickers off and they don't come off or like people are slicing sandwiches like asymmetrically or like wiping off a whiteboard and like leaving one mark still there <laughs> like you just watch the video and you're in pain <laughs> like, like she would make those videos for oh, sure yeah. wait so one of my notes has to do with that puzzle so do you mind if I go for it that? yeah so um, this is a very common illusion that happens in a lot of pop culture, but the the image that is in the puzzle is the Da Vinci's Last Supper. And something I thought that was really interesting upon doing research about this painting in particular is historically speaking, there have been a lot of restoration problems with this image. And uh, they have had just like, if you look at a picture of its quality in 1970, that's like, it's horrendous. Like the paint looks really bad. It's very horribly preserved. And they did a final restoration in 1999. And since then, that's been the final restoration. But that restoration got a lot of flack because they had to really go in and like add color. I mean, it was just, it was kind of a disaster. And so it got a lot of flack because a lot of critics said they did not restore it to its original look or color. And and it, it is unfortunate because in a way the original is lost to time. And I thought that this is very interesting that that is the image that was chosen for this puzzle is a image that has been like, they've tried to restore time and time again, but it always gets like something is messed up. And so the final image and final quality is like forever really messed up because of this modern restoration, which is very despair inducing because nothing nothing really lasts as much as we try to preserve it. Time is expansive. I just that thought that was very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And also wow. I just love that Monokuma's on Jesus's face. That's really funny. Isn't he on all the disciples? Yeah. Like, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, just, yeah it's yeah. funny. <laughs> it's so funny. He is Christ and his disciples. <laughs> Monokuma is everywhere. <laughs> While she's doing that puzzle, she's flipping through pictures that Mikon has supplemented of the class, Mikon's class. And it's very interesting because I was like pausing on each of these pictures and like trying to see like what's inside like what's the hidden message first off I'd like to start with Gundam is legitimately riding an orca whale in one of them like, wait she really riding it standing <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah wait, I need to see this right now can I look up this picture I will allow it um... it's very important I don't think it's physically possible to tame an orca whale <laughs> well Gundam is the ultimate breeder. That's true. And he can magically talk with animals, right? Right. Oh my God. <laughs> that is incredible. <laughs> Anyways, so Gundam's riding a water type creature. This is Pokemon <laughs> now. And Peko in a different picture has the sparkling justice mask on. Oh Fuyuhiko yeah. Peko is closing one of his eyes. Nagito's clothing looks really similar to the scrub outfit from chapter three of Goodbye Despair. And that's it. That's all the ones that I had that I was like, that's 
like really weirdly accurate but it's like it's very much a I believe a nod to the game and the chapters and what's happening you know I mean even in that picture that Maddie you just pulled up you have um I block out his name because I don't like him. Terra Terra. Terra. Um, <laughs> you have Terra Terra. Like, I think he's holding food and like a drumstick or something. And like, I don't know. I just was like, okay, wow. I, I If you were really looking closely, you could find a lot of hints about the second game in there. Yeah. Cool. Yep. 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 Yeah. Yep. The first note I have about Mekon is like the scene with her and like Ryota. I don't know if that was like supposed to be like some weird fan servicey thing when she's like crawling up to him and like everything but I just thought it was really unsettling like it, it was disturbing to see her in that state because clearly she is unwell like in that moment you know and it's like it's kind of upsetting because there I guarantee that there are people out there who have watched that scene in like a fan servicey kind of mindset but that I feel like is so far beyond the point like it yeah that that was one thing I I noticed but also the I I made the connection that like this is kind of like the beginning of the despair like brainwashing pandemic if you will that then like sweeps the world after Junko like um takes over and like this is kind of the prologue to the events that we know come after um, despair arc with like you know the the cast of SDR2 becoming despairs and whatnot so we know that that's coming and it seems like Mekon is kind of the patient zero of that despair because she's like she was like Junko's test subject to like be the first one to like watch that video and be like Ryota says like oh my god Junko you brainwashed her like yeah she kind of did and Mekon's like the very first one but it's implied that it didn't take a lot. She just needed to watch that killing video, which I think is very interesting. It speaks to like one, I mean, I've played her free time events in SDR too. So she suffered a lot of trauma and she's very susceptible to influence, I think because of a lot of what happened in her past. Yeah. So you might say that she's been hypnotized by the video. And I know that Junko claims that she's been hypnotized, hypnotized as well. But I don't think she was. Mirai watches the exact same video and he is not hypnotized. In fact, he is very still conscious and with it and disturbed. And at the mm-hmm. end of the video, he says to Mikan, how could someone want to make a video like that? That's sick, just sick. And that to me is why Mikan is acting the way that she is. Because, and I talked about this in the Patreon episode that Maddie referenced earlier, my most recent Patreon episode, but it's talking about whether or not she was affected by the despair disease or whether she was like spurred to kill by her own motivations. But Mikon speaks to enjoying when other people are sick. She describes it as the great equalizer and people need her when they're acting sick. And so I think that Mikon is in love with Junko and just has these like an overabundance of needing to care, if you will, for Junko because of how sick she is. You know, like I think that Mikon Ah. might be the ultimate nurse, not because she's got the skill set and can, you know, can put in an IV line really well, but because her passion for caring for people who are sick is unparalleled. Oh my God. That is so astute. 
Marin has had just so many big brain moments this recording <laughs> this like, session. Like, wow. It's very true. It is true. And that maybe that's yeah. why she was so easily susceptible is because Junko is sick and oh. Oh my God. Wow. And yeah. also like in the, the chapter three with the despair disease, I would make the argument that the way she's acting now with Junko is not the same way that she's acting with the despair disease. You know, whether you argue that she was affected by the despair disease or not, she in chapter three is never that unnecessarily like four buttons unbuttoned and like, you know, crawling towards people, you know, like she's never like that. Yes, she goes and murders two of her classmates. So clearly some things are wrong, but it's a very different like way of expressing it and so I think I don't know I don't think Junko brainwashed her I really don't I think this is just Mekon like you said Caroline being susceptible right right. being broken very easily by something that wouldn't break everybody yeah Um, wow though I will say to, to talk about form and medium and form for a second in the visual novel style it would be hard to illustrate this kind of scene just because of the way it's um, set up logistically. So I don't, we do definitely see like her heavy breathing and blushing at the thought of like Junko cause she is like, you know, in love with her and messed up in love with her and whatever. And um, so it's like, we do see this in her there. And I always interpreted her despair disease as her remembering Junko, like remembering Mm-hmm. caring for that absolutely ill person and the despair that brought her that she then revels in so we do see it a little bit it's just not quite yeah <laughs> as, oh I felt so uncomfortable this really that scene really made me very uncomfortable with her just oh my god yeah yeah I agree and I also I just like another thing about Mekon is like there are so many, and I don't know maybe if either of you had a thought on this or whatever, but there are a lot of pig references in regard to Mikan in this episode. Like Hyoko is has been calling Mikan a pukey pig like the entire time, but then after Mikan is like coming on to Ryota or whatever, Junko yells at her saying like, oh, just because I'm not here doesn't mean you can start acting like a pig in heat. And then later, I think even Mikon calls herself a sow. And so she's literally being likened to being livestock. And ironically, I mean, this, this was going to feed into my point about her maybe being like the patient zero, which maybe she's not. But I was going to say livestock, ironically, are the sources of a lot of like infectious diseases that cause pandemics. Um, so I don't know. I thought that was interesting. But like, we've always, we've talked about how teru teru is compared to being a pig in a lot of ways but in this episode i think it's like it's the comparison is like mikan being compared to a pig which is sad because she deserves better yeah there's also a brief uh appearance i i won't say more but a character who shows up in danganronpa zero for one screen moment I, and i i was like oh my god <laughs> i knew who he yeah. was I heard it. but oh yeah that was cool yeah, yeah. yeah I did have to go look it up I was like who was that <laughs> but I did look it up and I was like "Ooh, interesting yeah oh, I saw it I was like oh! you're gonna love that character Marin specifically oh. 
So next up, it's super interesting. Junko is talking with Midorai. He's just had this really weird conversation with, with Mikan. And she's like, hey, Midorai, like, you can leave if you want. Because he's like, I'm super not comfortable with this. Like, I want to use my anime to change the world. And you're really scary. And she's like, you can leave. You can absolutely leave. But if you do, you should know that I will use your class as my next example. And so he's given this choice, which is a horrible choice, but it's the choice of either helping her to make this despair-inducing video for a wider audience or to allow his class to become the next killed in the same style or a similar style as the one he was just shown in a video. And I thought that that conversation was very interesting. Like, I... I don't know. I I felt like it was it brings up an, a conversation about ethics, you know, and are you going a utilitarian route when you're making your decisions on how many people to sacrifice? Like it's like the trolley problem. Do you save the one person that you know or the five strangers? And yeah, I just thought it was kind of an interesting moment. I don't know if you guys had any thoughts about that. See, when that moment happened, I didn't view it as a trolley problem. I really didn't. And that's why when you said the paraphrase earlier, when we were chatting about what to talk about next, and you said, oh, cl- your class or the world, I had not, that was not what I got from, from that conversation. So I thought of it more as like Ryota thinking, okay, well, if I suffer through and, and go along with this, then I'm the only one who will be harmed and they will be safe. I thought that that might have been more his thought process than thinking about the bigger picture of like, this will impact the world. Like, I think he, for right or wrong, the thought process with him was, it's okay, well, if I do this, then it's just me affected and and no one else has to experience this, even though I know that what he's making will impact everybody else. But I think that in that moment, that was his thought process because of his emotional state after seeing the video and his the, his classmates like being the immediate threat like when you're put in that situation you're you, you are usually only thinking of like those people you care about and yourself right and he said okay like they're safe i'm gonna do this for like because i could i'll put up with it so that they don't have to deal with it that was kind of how i interpreted it though it's interesting you bring that up because i hadn't even thought about the fact that like that decision was sort of like a trolley problem but yeah yeah i think he does say though when Chiaki finds him and this is jumping forward just a a bit later but he's like I'm sorry like I'm so sorry like I had to do this and so I do think he knows a little bit of the ramifications of his actions and he's seen Mikon having reacted to the video so he I think like I will say like I do know that I'm harsh on him and he has just been shown something that I hope I will never have to watch something like that. Right. And so like, I agree with you, his brain is probably a bit scrambled at the time, but I think it's a bit one dimensional for him, for his self, like making decisions for himself to be making decisions where he's just like, I don't know, like he is the ultimate animator like his actions will have consequences and so maybe it's just like maybe it's one of those things where he just doesn't recognize the power that he has over the world like he doesn't understand the consequences of his actions because I mean 
also, I, this is another thing from replaying Trigger Happy Havoc with a friend of mine that I'm realizing is like, these kids are like 15, like they're, they're children. And, and like, he is 15 years old or 16, maybe. And, and like that, at that point, if you have a talent like that, you don't understand the power that you wield, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Ryoja is not my favorite character, but I also like cannot help but feel sorry for him oh, for, yeah. I think that reason, honestly, is that he is so young and impressionable as, as all of these kids. Um, yeah. Obviously, we know in Trigger Happy Havoc, they're much, much older, but my friend doesn't know that yet. And so she, <laughs> she, re- <laughs> she referenced Mondo being a biker gang leader at age 15 or 16, and she thought it was hysterical. And that was the moment where I was like, well, technically no, but I'm not going to spoil that for her. <laughs> right. But this, in this instance, canonically, they're young. They're in, still in high school. Like, I, I didn't know the yeah. power I wielded <laughs> when I was, I'm just kidding. I had no power. I was, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. But yeah, just something to think about, too. So when they're looking for Mikan, Teru Teru, um, of course, because he's the absolute perv, uh says mentions something about sapphic love and i think he says it as like a reference to hyoko and nikon together or something like that that's a fun reference because for those of you who don't know that term comes from sappho who is a famous greek poet known as the 10th muse um, from the island of lesbos and the word lesbian and sapphic stem from her because a lot of her poems are very famous for girl loving girl love women loving women love i love any excuse to talk about sappho is a good excuse (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's just what he's referencing there in case anyone didn't know my next note is we've got the famous nagito gun meme i have nagito has a gun (laughs) i have (laughs) i have one very small note before that and it's just the fact that gundam doesn't have four hamsters he has 12 because that that moment when he's like ah oh, yes my 12 zodiac generals could find no trace of <laughs> i was like oh my god gundam i miss that king. guy we haven't gotten enough <laughs> i gundam know content i recently. miss him mm. yeah That's i also all- love the <laughs> mugro and peko fighting moment that's yes. like that is like equals matched like yeah who is gonna win like i don't so know good it's so oh, good. wow yeah, there's a lot of tension between characters in this scene. Like, I mean, Nagito versus Junko, Nagito versus Izaru, you know, I mean, Mukuro that... versus Peko. Yeah, I have a note. I say, I know my waifu is Hajime slash Izaru, but I think I need to step aside because boy, howdy, are these two a power dynamic. <laughs> oh my God. I, yes, I was watching yes. that like, oh my God. <laughs> I was like, I, I was like, now I understand Komahina. Yes. Like, and I, now I understand. Right? I, okay, not gonna lie. Like, I, I ship it. I ship it so hard. And this scene, Chef's Kiss, was Chef's just incredible. Kiss. Like, like the, the color change yes. when they pass each other. Oh my God. Ezra's hair is like flowing and it's like, and it's just that look of like, shock but almost admiration on nagito's face yeah he doesn't make that face for very many people i know he Uh admires others for their talents but that was a different face like that (laughs) i was like oh my god i just so but here's the thing nagito is out here taking the trolley problem by storm because he gets (laughs) his gun out and if he had just killed junko in that moment 
I'm pretty sure it would all have been over. <laughs> it's very interesting. I wrote down, like, should he have? And the answer is no. Murder is wrong, right? Murder is wrong. But also... <laughs> But this how whole, maybe much this episode is the trolley problem. It, 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 it is. Yeah, because it is like if she had been shot, then a lot of what comes to follow wouldn't have come to pass. Unless then Mikon would have helped her. I mean, having the ultimate nurse on your side is oh. a pretty handy dandy tool. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not convinced that everything would have been stopped if Junko had died right then and there because it kind of the plan had already kind of been set in motion and you have Mukuro who's committed Mm. to it you have Mikan who's committed to it you have Izuru now who's committed to it and is extremely powerful so yeah I I don't know like but I would oh but I would argue I wrote a um like a literary analysis piece on the Mukuro and Junko dynamic who knows maybe it will see the light of day in a zine one day but uh, it is about Ragnarok and the two wolves and how if one dies, they can't be the force that they were intended to be because one path is gone. And so that's in reference to the first game that I was referencing the first game when I wrote it because so in, in Trigger Happy Havoc, when Mugro dies, that's like one half of the dynamic gone. And at that point, it's doomed because you don't have both parties. You just have one because both of them together are the ultimate despair. And so I know Izuru is part of it. So maybe, you know, but he and Nagito could have had their little, little love affair. And then that would be enough for him. And then he would be great (laughs) and happy. But yeah, without my point is without Junko, I I do think that they're missing a very key piece of the puzzle. Pardon my puzzle reference for earlier, but like, yeah, I think they'd be missing a key component because she is really the brains behind the operation. Big time. That's fair, yeah. In a counterpoint, she could have become a martyr, you know, with someone yeah, who is that, that out too. in the open with her ideals and with someone who's, I, I think it's insinuated that the kids from Ultra Despair Girls, the Warriors of Hope, they've already been kind of conditioned. They've been talked to by Junko. And so they're still going to start this thing with or without Junko. Mm. And so her death, I think, does spur them on from Trigger Happy Havoc into this. And so I do still think some things would have happened. And we don't know when the artificial intelligence is created that uploads her into game two. And so maybe it's... yeah. I don't know. I, I see what you're saying. And honestly, I think I agree with you. But just to play that other side, like, yeah, I it could have been worse if he had done that. It's true. Um, on the wall during this scene, there's a poster that got translated because I am also watching the English dub version. Um, and it says it's called The Red Cow. And it's not a real anime. Uh, I went and looked it up. Unless if anyone knows that it is, please do let us know. Comment. Let us know on Twitter. But I don't believe it is. I think it is a reference to the red heifer, which is in the Bible. It's in the book of Numbers. Um, and it symbolizes the sacrifice of something pure. So it's in reference to a cow that's never been pregnant, milked, or yoked. And it's used in a sacrifice to help cleanse someone of sin. And I don't know who in this scenario would be the red heifer. Because I think that my best guess would be Ryota. I think that, you know, we see a a kid, like you said, Caroline, a 15-year-old who 
is really trying to create something beautiful for the world. And just like, it's almost like the corruption of him. Like he is his gift that is, could change so many lives for the better is just being absolutely corrupted. And so I didn't know if you guys had like any alternative red cows in this. That's a good question, Marin. I don't know. I think that I, I don't know if I would see Ryota as being as, as playing that role, but I'm really not sure. It could be. It could be if if taken in like a metaphorical sense. But that's that was a good observation. I also saw that poster and I wondered what it might mean because it's like everything has a deeper meaning <laughs> i know we, yeah. we are like that guy with the the red yarn connecting all the pictures <laughs> when we watch these oh my gosh it's very frustrating to me when chiaki comes into the room with junko and everyone and she asks ryota she's like have you lost weight i'm very frustrated watching like there are multiple characters throughout who every time they see Ryota either as himself or as the ultimate imposter it's always like have you gained weight have you lost weight and I know that this is probably more of the game giving a nod to the ultimate imposter being able to pull off such a strong impression that people assume that it's a weight gain or loss but it's I don't know something about that really bothered me like it felt like a lack of caring like they just didn't care enough about their classmate to notice I don't know if you guys felt the same way or not I mean I think what bothers me too is just that that's the identifier is yeah is that like that yeah yeah and, and they had to find a way I think to make it clear that if it's the imposter or if it's actually the person so if if because we would literally have no idea as the audience, but could they have done anything else? Like maybe. Yeah. Like different color eyes. I don't know. Like something else. Yeah. Yeah. Or even let us guess. Right. Or, or it's a mystery and you never actually know. Like how fun would it be for us to debate? Like, is this the imposter or is this him? You know, like that, I don't know that that needed to be done. And it, it, something about it just gave me bad vibes. Yeah. I will say kind of I mean not not trying to be like devil's advocate because I I agree with you when the I don't like in any scenario where somebody's weight is like the 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 punchline of a joke you know what I mean and I feel like they were trying to make it humorous when it's like you know um Chisa is like going up to the secret entrance and Ryota like comes stumbling out and he's like sobbing and like is a hot mess and she's just like oh have you lost weight like and I think that that that's like supposed to be humorous but I was kind of just like uh, like you're, but... you're even if it's a good sorry to cut you off but even if it's a really good impression why is the first thing you notice the weight and not the fact that they are sobbing right like, exactly like exactly <laughs> but in defense of maybe the potential reason why the weight thing is like a big thing for the ultimate imposter. Actually, I talked about the ultimate imposter a lot in one of my Patreon episodes. <laughs> we, we are out here right now. The Patreon the Patreon. Every single moment. <laughs> but there is, if you play through all the ultimate imposters free time events in Danganronpa 2, you learn that he, or I guess they, because the, the gender of this person is not even confirmed. So I'll, I'll say they they have like no identity of their own they have like been homeless for pretty much their whole life they they wander around traveling whatever 
And the one thing that they find solace in is fast food because no matter where you go in the world there is a McDonald's somewhere like it is always familiar and like not totally consistent because there are like differences in what's on the menu based on like what culture you're in maybe but it's like it's McDonald's right like it's and and McDonald's specifically as a brand name is not mentioned but like fast food chains that are everywhere and are like gonna let whoever wants to walk in the door and get a burger anyone can come in it's not like they're gonna discriminate and like they're just everywhere and it's like comfort food you know what I mean and so that I think played a huge role in making the ultimate imposter feel like they had any sort of consistency or familiarity throughout their life and I think that because you know because it's fast food that could lend itself to like weight gain or whatever but um that that was like an interesting little backstory thing about the ultimate imposter for me and I think it could explain some of that but I do agree that I I don't like it whenever there are you know jokes made about people's weight even if they're anime characters I just I think it contributes to you know not great societal norms of how we see people who are larger yeah yeah All right. My last thing is this episode is called The Worst Reunion by Chance. And I wanted to know, who do you think is being reunited? I think I I interpret it as it was Nagito being reunited with everyone else again. But I don't know because it's by chance of like, you know, Nagito's luck. He like stumbles across, accidentally touches the right panel to make the secret entrance open and maybe the reunion is him and Izuru. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, I think it's Izuru and Chiaki because there's that moment where you see Chiaki where she, she re- kind of recognizes that oh, that's yeah, Hajime. True. I think that that's gotta be it. Yeah. I wasn't sure. I wrote down potentially Junko and Nagito, but I didn't think that that was necessarily the worst because I actually feel like Nagito has a pretty good head about his shoulders. Weirdly. That's not a statement we say often, but when it comes, <laughs> When it comes to Junko, I feel like he's like, oh, no, these are my ideals, you know? Yeah. Take them or leave them. And she's like, I'll leave them. (laughs) Um, No, thank you. I'll pass. Thanks. Yeah. But yeah. All right. Okay. Hello, everybody. We are here with a amended Bedwed Behead, though. Today, we are taking on a little bit of more of a romantic theme because we are doing the three characters that the three of us simp the hardest for in the future arc episode today because we talked to great lengths about it. So... That will be Munakata, Byakuya, and Kyoko. And our prompts are to kiss under the mistletoe, to move in with, and to adopt a pet with. All right. This is hard because, you know, they're all good choices. They really are. All right. I would move in with my boy, Munakata. Feels like wedding in a way, you know? Yeah, I I don't really have a good explanation beyond that. I just want that, you know? Mistletoe kiss would be with Byakuya think that would be grand um and i've mentioned now i don't know how many times but i do feel like even though he is so hot i don't know that we would make the best pair i have come to terms with that and so i feel like a nice little mistletoe kiss you know it'd be perfect and then i would adopt a pet with kyoko she just seems like she would make a really good dog trainer like i feel like and she would come up with like a great name for our pet i don't know i just feel really good about that so yeah that would be my my answer okay oh this is hard okay I think I have my answer but it's kind of like the third is just by default I guess so I would 
kiss Kyoko under the mistletoe. Um, yeah, she's so pretty and I appreciate her very much. I would move in with Byakuya because when we're moved in together, we could still kiss under the mistletoe. <laughs> I could just hang mistletoe in the doorway to the bedroom. And then every time we entered our bedroom, like after work or whatever, we could just be like, oh, under the mistletoe and then kiss every day. So there you go. Um, and then I guess I would adopt a pet with Munikata. Uh, just because that's the one left over, but I didn't really want to kiss him. So maybe we could just co-parent like a cat or something, but like we would just alternate days. We have the cat. So like he would have it, um, Monday through Wednesday, halfway through the day. And then I would have it Thursday through Sunday, halfway through the day. And then I'd drop it off and we could just do that. I have different answers. Um, I would move in with Kyoko. I think we all chose to move in with our our love. <laughs> we <did> um, <laughs> I love Kyoko so much. I feel like she'd be really um, organized. I feel like she'd be quiet. You know, I wouldn't have to worry about like, oh my God, I get home and my roommate is throwing a massive party and there are frat boys in my home. You know, I wouldn't have to worry about that. And that'd be nice. And also, you know, maybe it could turn into the whole like, you know, like, oh my God, they were roommates. Oh my God, roommates get quarantined together. And then, but yeah, I love Kyoko. And then I would kiss Byakuya under the mistletoe because Marin, I'm kind of on the same page with you. He's very attractive. I wouldn't mind a little little kiss, but yeah, the I don't think I'd want to like live with him. And then <laughs> I would adopt a pet with Munakata because so here's here's my line of thinking here. I don't really like Munakata, so I would convince him to let us like adopt like a really annoying bird or something like a cockatoo that's just like really loud and like throws things around the home all the time um, because they do that. But they're, I I love cockatoos. They're so silly. (laughs) They're so obnoxious, but I like want one. And so eventually, you know, we, we'd like co-parent this, this bird, but eventually it would be so annoying that he would get sick of it and just give it to me. And then I'd have a cockatoo and then (laughs) I wouldn't have to worry about Munakata because I don't really like him so what an interesting opinion you have there (laughs) (laughs) Marin said how does it feel to be so wrong (laughs) (laughs) I I I'm not also not a great big Munakata fan he's kind of middle of the road for me that's okay I I understand that not everyone can be right you know oh well (laughs) I'm always right so All right, everybody. Uh, Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Ultra Hope Girls, the Danganronpa podcast. We are on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, Ultra Podcast, pretty much everywhere. I, I missed Ultra Hope, Gr- Hope Gr- Ultra Hope Girls podcast, just to clarify. That's what I said. <laughs> um, I didn't say that. Um, if you are willing to support us on Patreon, we would so, so appreciate it. The lowest tier is just $2 a month, and you get, can unlock my Hamlet episode, Marin's Mekon episode, and Maddie's episode on the ultimate imposter. So make sure you check that out. Uh, yeah, it's pretty heckin', it's a heckin' good time over there on the Patreon. And we appreciate you for listening. Thank you so much. And we'll see you in two weeks. Bye. Bye. Bye.